Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Rokan. I'm Richard E. Roper. Richard E. Roper. What does the E stand for? I always used to tell people Elvis, but it's Edward, actually. Oh. You know, everybody from a certain generation around my age, you know, you had like six middle names. It was like Edward, John, right. Michael. That was it. Right. You know. Sort of like among many of your fellow Irish Catholic brethren yeah. in your grade school or high school, Timmy, Tommy, Mike, Pat. Yeah. Right? That was it. And then the girls were Mary Pat. Yep. Colleen. Right. You know, I, I, we used to do the Southside Irish Parade in the, the greater Chicagoland area. We'd walk into the bars and just go, Mary Pat! And just see how many <laughs> young lasses would turn around. But anyway, Richard E. Roper, I mentioned that because that's my verified Twitter account. Sometimes oh. a little confusion, but that's where you can follow me. And you're at Rokan. Yes, that's And you correct. can follow all the screen time stuff as well. Right. Yes, uh, yes, you can. All right. Well, let me tell you, before we get started, what we really need to talk about here, that Screen Time with Roan Roper is produced by AmericanEagle.com. Studios. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing that serves all of your marketing needs, because they believe that today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com today to get started. You know, I want to, before we get into it, we've got a bunch of pop culture news I wanted to talk to you about, Rokan. But uh, just to pull back the curtain a little bit yeah. more and talk about our fine friends and our sponsor, AmericanEagle.com. Uh, if you've been watching any of the uh, football games, there are lots of all kinds of television. There's a, a plethora, if you will, a veritable cornucopia of ads, TV ads for AmericanEagle.com. And uh, they're very clever. And I would tell them if they suck because I would just call our friends there and say, because I, I have done that in the past. They had some in the past. And I'm like, these are bad. You could do better. Well, they, they got a new one, I've but they noticed, have yeah. yeah, and it's you know they they're walking around the offices meeting real people, including yeah. Tim Elanius of Rowan Roper Screen Time uh, fame. Yeah, uh, is featured in one of the ads, but they're very clever, and they they explain exactly what AmericanEagle.com does, and we get to know some of the people. And I called one of the founders of the company to tell him that, and he's like, "Well, that's good because it turns out that they had spent a lot of money on those ads, and it's the I'll same bet. agency that did the original. We'll leave the light on." Motel Six, oh. and they do that. They they came up with that whole cow for uh, Chick Fil A. Oh. You know, so it's a big ad. You know, all those yeah. agencies. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but uh, other than having the two of us do some wacky bits for their TV spots, uh, I do like their commercials. Although not as cool as your live reads for AmericanEagle.com and uh, Portillo's <laughs> yeah, and the chocolate right. cake, which yeah. you've mentioned a few hundred yeah. thousand times. I know. And we want to thank everybody as always for listening and subscribing and liking and putting up with all of that. Now, yeah. as I mentioned, because we, we talked last week about the, uh, the the sad and tragic death of our friend Bob Saget and really wanted to concentrate on that. Uh, and we were off for just a short time over the holiday. So I thought we should catch up with some current pop culture news, Ro. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to start off by asking you, what the fuck is Wordle? And why is everyone sharing their results on Twitter? I have no idea. Yeah. And it's it, it's crazy. Now, I have not played it. I don't really fall into the category of somebody who's, and again, we were talking about social media. I'm not very active on social media currently for a number of various reasons. Yeah. And I... I, I, I hear people talking about their experience, and it's almost like I have returned from another time and space. You know, like one of those time traveler things. Yeah, like yeah. all of a sudden, I popped out of 1975. My last vivid memory of, of uh, very, like maybe actually my first very vivid memory of life was in the mid 1970s. And now here I am in <laughs> approaching the 
2020s and wondering to myself, what are they talking about? Well, in some cases, you should. You know, when I see people talking about TikTok, I'm like, that's for the kids. You know, and there's funny stuff on there and someone will occasionally, you know, send me a video. But there's like 15 year olds on TikTok. Let them have their TikTok. You know, their parents have the Facebook in right. some cases, it no, might the, be the grandparents. grandparents yeah. yeah, by now, the parents uh, have Twitter. I, you know, and Instagram. I, I like Instagram because of you know the fact that it's most it's videos and posts. It's you know your uh, you know pictures uh, and Twitter. I feel is more professional, more for prof- you know. And I know some people they share every detail of their life on Twitter. To me, it's more like, hey, here's my review of this or a little social observation. Uh, so I never got into a lot of this stuff too. Like you know, words with friends was the big thing for a while, where you played words with mm-hmm. your friends. So for those who don't know, and I'm going to walk you through this a little Very bit. Procedural. Uh, Josh Wardle is uh-huh. a software engineer in Brooklyn who knew his partner loved word games. This is from the New York Times. So he created a guessing game and called it Wardle. I'll play on his last name, and it now has become this huge thing. On November 1st, 90 people played Wordle. Uh, on Sunday this past week, uh, more than 300,000 people have played. It just kind of took off on its own. You begin by inputting a five-letter word into the first row of boxes. Then you hit enter, and it will tell you how many words, how many letters are correct and if they're in the right space. And then you have like four tries to get the five-letter word, and then that's it. And you can only play it like once a day, I think. So it's kind of clever because, you know, so in other words, you, you know, you're trying to figure out if the word is seven. It'll tell you, you know, if the E's are there. So a little, it's like a, a more complex wheel of fortune. Uh-huh. Uh, but there are only five letters always, and you only get five attempts, and then you're shut out. Uh-huh. And then it'll get your score. So then everybody just posts their score on Twitter. I don't know why they're doing it. And people I really <laughs> like and know and admire. Uh, and you want to know. An Academy Award nominated screenwriter recently. And I oh, sent no. him a DM and I said, you know, I really love your work. I don't give a flying bleepity bleepity bleep. And I actually wrote bleepity bleepity bleep because that's more than five letters. And he goes, I know, but everyone's doing it. Like, well, you could have done it with four letters, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I. I I don't understand uh, when these these instant trends happen, what the trajectory really can be. I'm often yeah. surprised by yeah. how popular some of these things become, like the Kardashians. That's a separate issue. That's a more <laughs> long-form deal. But I would have never guessed that things that have taken off would take off because Wordle isn't all that dissimilar, like you said, from Wheel of Fortune or those little um, New York Times. I think every day they put out like a little mini Crossword puzzle. Yeah, you've seen those. They're and then like there's a what's the one that, uh, that you get at the airport where they still sell Sudoku, Sudoku, Sudiko. Yeah, those. All that three was of those, that yeah. was huge. I mean, for a while, you you know, you'd see people for for holidays and birthdays, they'd get like ten books, books. and they'd be yeah. so excited because once you did it, you know, you did it with ink. And I get that. Listen, all of these are good for the brain, right? Good sure. brain food keeps your brain active. I think something like this, it just it's kind of cool because it seemed to have come along organically. It's not a big corporate push. He's not the, will the creator, be, but that's the thing. Now it's going to become this huge, you know, I can already see like, you know, the pilot with <laughs> one of the former members of some boy band, you know, because they're always hosting some game show or something, yeah. you know, uh, but I don't, I don't care about your Wordle score or anybody else's. And I feel it's like New Year's, uh, Happy New Year's. We're now in the middle of January and I feel like you shouldn't be saying Happy New Year's anymore to people. Hey, how's it that's going? True. Right. Yeah. And you shouldn't be sharing your Wordle any- and it will go away because it always goes away. Remember HQ Trivia? That was a big app where, but that was like a live 
kind of trivia thing where you played a game and you could do all those things where people would send hearts and fly, you know, shit like that while you were trying to play the it, trivia it, Just thing. remember, I've been in a coma since 1975, so I've woken up and I have no idea. I'm Woody Allen and Sleeper. Well, I have no idea how any of this happened. Well, Let, okay. I, I, I bet you're going to try Wordle after this podcast, but don't share your freaking score. All right, let me suggest something here. I want to go back to your observation about what generation's doing what on the social media. Yeah. And when you say the social media, <laughs> that That's tells fine. you which That's generation fine. I'm That's coming fine. from. TikTok is for the kids, but no longer. You're noticing now adults, uh, older people, it, it moves in a way. Like, you know, Facebook, when it came out, it was, you know, for college students yeah. and for people under 30. Uh, uh, and invented it moved. by a college student. Right. So if he, he could, had invented Facebook, he would have invented Facebook. <laughs> Right. So, so that goes like from you know a twenty-five-year-old to a ninety-year-old in a span of about a decade, yeah. right? And then Twitter, you know, came out again. It was you know for the younger people, you know, teens and early twenties were totally into it because it was you know short bites, quick hits of things. And then that eventually moved, as you pointed out, into this like kind of professional medium, and journalists started using it. It just became sort of yeah. a more formal news way. content, or right? News aggregate and all that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that and also just people having to express their every thought they've yeah, ever had yeah, in their yeah, exactly. brain. TikTok comes along, and it's going to be sort of the Twitter quick hit, but in video form. I, yeah. I'm leaving Instagram for the last year because Instagram okay. sort of spreads All right. away. All right. And now you're seeing TikTok again move from like 14 year old to I think theoretically we weren't supposed to be using it in the first place, mm. right? Mm. And now it has moved on to adults and uh, criminal enterprises and and insurrectionists and you know whatever you want. It's it's like they it it it's now morphed away. There's going to be another emergent and i think there should be something we invent using our friends at americaneagle.com sure. that is the next big thing because it, it it's now moving so quickly now yeah. instagram i'm fascinated by because as you pointed out it really was the us magazine of yeah. social media it was just pretty pictures of people and, and their you, salads right and you could lurk <laughs> here's what i had for lunch <laughs> you could lurk you could lurk yeah. at people right is sort of like oh look, everybody had to, as soon as instagram came out everybody had to put on a swimsuit whether they should or they shouldn't yeah. and take a picture of themselves in it so it really became just a, an expressive media of hey look literally look at me don't look at my thoughts but look at me yeah. and at the end of all of this experiment and i call it an experiment only out of hopefulness, not out of reality, we will realize that we have turned ourselves as a culture into an aggregate of individuals who are not moving in any unified direction. If you watch an anthill, hmm. pardon me for going for going yeah. down this road, but you watch an anthill and you look, oh my God, that's chaos down there, isn't it? No, it's not. It's very orchestrated. They know what they're doing. They're building the hill. They are. We are no longer doing that. We are now moving around as we would look at the ants moving around in different directions and thinking, okay, well, they must be going towards something. And maybe in the long run, we're going towards something. I'm fearing it is self-destruction of the entire planet, well, not just yeah. physically, but like socially. The level of narcissism is amazing, you know, and you mentioned like the Kardashians and what you have now, because they, listen, they've been around for 20 years and, yeah. and Paris Hilton, et cetera. That's sort of, you know, famous for being famous thing, which is a lot older than even the Kardashians and the right. Paris Hilton phenomenon. But everybody kind of 
treats their lives, or at least a large percentage of people who are on platforms like Instagram, as if they are being featured in Us Magazine. So everything is this prettified, uh, glorified, uh, idealized version of their real lives. So it's here we are on vacation. Here's my perfect look in the morning. You know, you get a lot of this like, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. And then it's some 23-year-old model. You're like, shut up. You look great. You look like a 23-year-old model who hasn't had their coffee yet. Uh, and there was just uh, w- within a-, a day of when this podcast is going to run, row an actual photo, not a Photoshop, of a young woman and her car had broken through the ice and was sinking into the depths of this pond or whatever the case may be. And people were rushing out to get her. And she stood on the hood of the car. And as people were going to risk their lives to save her, she took a selfie. There's a photo. There are photos of her standing on the car taking a picture of herself as she she was going to break through the ice like Harry Bailey. And it's a wonderful <laughs> life. And either she's, you know, she's such an idiot or so clueless that she thought, well, I got to take a selfie at this moment that was life-threatening. So, and to your point about TikTok too, I'll say like uh, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, whatever the case may be, they're really smart. And as soon as the grown-ups start getting in, they'll find something else, as you mentioned. Right. They absolutely will. Because yeah, it's not cool, cool anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Facebook is the classic example. Facebook was never really cool because it's so broad, but... I have two accounts. I have a personal account and a professional account. And like you, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. I think it's very clunky and, and cumbersome to use. And you get all these timeline things and everything. But I need to be on there telling people about the latest Screen Time podcast or my latest review or whatever. But it's all, to me, it seems to be you know the the, the classic Facebook user. And they're not all Karens, but it's a, it's a lot of moms yeah. who are between like 40 and 60 and again, every moment of their lives, every reunion with friends and girls' night and Chardonnay book club and all this other bullshit, they chronicle it like, you know, we're following around Lincoln during the Civil War and everything <laughs> must be recorded for posterity. So here's my husband sleeping on the couch. Well, I once again had to get the groceries. Isn't that wacky? No. The further we go down this line, yeah. The less together we are. Because I would venture to guess that the average American now counts their friends on Facebook mm-hmm. as their friends, as yeah. their real friends. Now, what percentage of those friends on Facebook do you think they actually have ever met yeah, it's, and know? It's very tiny. They're only friends because they associate along the same philosophy, life experience, age, you know, whatever it happens to be. You know, we're sorting ourselves mm-hmm. along those lines. There was a, a, a great book about a decade and a half ago called The Great Sort. Mm. And this was really predicted mm. in all of this. And I, people should go and read that and see kind of what it's led to. It's actually more dire than the predictions even in that book were about where we were going to end up. But this is this is what is leading us down this line to everybody fighting with each other even when your neighbors and in the old days yeah maybe you'd be mad at your neighbor because they were leaving or raking the yard or whatever the hell it was but now you're mad at your neighbor about things that you never knew about your neighbor and your neighbor has thoughts that he's sharing with a neighbor in salina kansas yeah yeah right and so that and that they think they're best friends but they've never met each other so that really emboldens people to go to this basic level of 
uh, uh, of aggression, of combat within mm. the culture. And that's where we sit right now. And that's the scariest part about this is that you know, people talk, oh, my God, there's going to be a civil war in America. I love when people say it's going to be a civil war. Well, you remember the old civil war? The old Civil War was across an actual geographic line, and there was a line of demarcation. There were people from the south trying to get north, people from the north trying to get south. That's what it was going to be. Are you going to tell me that the red and the blue states are going to be at civil war with each other or that Illinois and Wisconsin are going to be at war with each other or whatever? Or Chicago and the rest of Illinois? Right. How, how do you choose sides? Right. And, you know? and you're going to choose sides. It's it's really going to be guerrilla warfare. It's going to be balkanized yeah. because it's going to be neighborhood versus neighborhood. It could be neighbor versus neighbor. I mean, it's there's this isn't going to happen the way that people think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen at all, personally. I'm assuming we're going to come to our senses at some way, shape, or form here before this happens. But it's gotten to a point where we just now, because social media is so dependent upon selling you something and figuring out who you are and then sending to you, to your feeds, things that you will like at your most basic level, it's... It's... it's exaggerating everybody's personality yeah absolutely and you know kind of final thought on this row to me is you know when people talk about wherever they're on whether on twitter or facebook or watching cable news they're watching what they want to watch so they see something happening on the fox news channel it they feel like the whole country is seeing that and even the most popular shows as you know is what maybe three percent of the country is watching and when something is trending on twitter because two thousand comments have been made about it there are 340 million americans just americans there are other people on twitter so people go well it's trending on twitter that means everybody's talking about this it means no a very small group you know for a very short period of time got excited about something and it, it, may, it may be a representative sample it probably isn't right. because of who you choose to follow who you choose to you know hang out with socially as opposed to IRL which I recently learned means in real life someone asked me do you know somebody IRL and I said Ira <laughs> Roger Levinson and they're like no in real life do you know them it's like yeah. yes that that's how right. that's the only way that it counts I that <laughs> ultimately shall be our mantra IRL is the only thing that really counts, real life. Because you can go to war with somebody on Twitter. It's a whole different situation yeah. when you're going to war with somebody in front of you. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, yeah. We just call them beer muscles. Now it's, I guess, social media muscles, right? I want to give a shout-out, or maybe I should say a scream-out to Scream. The sequel, it's been about a decade since the most recent sequel. It's been a quarter century since the first one. But the new Scream opened over the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend and grossed about $35 million at the box office, bro, which is pretty strong because this was not one of the, we talk about this all the time, this was not available on any other platform. If you wanted to see Scream, you had to go to the movies. It's not even one of those where it's like, well, if you paid you know $79 or $39.99, you could watch it with your friends for the time being at least. The only way to see it was to see it in theaters, and it did pretty well. Okay, you know what I think here? I think we have another cultural phenomenon taking place is the super immune community, ha. which is people who have been vaccinated, boosted, and then gotten COVID anyway. Wow. Those, have you seen that? There was a great article over the weekend about people who are experiencing this, and it's almost like they're free. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I survived everything, 
exploding Omicron. Wait to the next variant. I'm good till then. <laughs> and they're going out and they're living their lives. They're going to restaurants. They're going to movies. They're going. They're they're licking public telephones and there aren't even public telephones to be found anymore and they're doing whatever they can possibly do to like just <laughs> sort of da yeah. dance in the daisy fields of life because there is nothing that can hurt them at this moment ah, so it's like when you get bitten by a vampire well i'm a vampire now what else could happen to me i might as well go out and get some blood i think that's what it is so yeah, you know it, it's weird you're gonna have these like stovepipes of economic comeback here yeah. and that's a good example of it it's going to be happening in you know major cities now new york is going through this you know pretty significant decline in omicron cases mm. and you're hoping we're hoping i'm hoping and the whole world is hoping that that follows suit with what happened in south africa where you know you kind of hit the peak of this thing and then it goes very very quickly down because it is so contagious that everybody will be exposed to it at some period here mm. coming up pretty soon so you're wow. hoping that 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 because you're seeing boston numbers come down a little bit dc numbers have flattened so as it's heading it started in the east coast and it's kind of heading across the country chicago where we are right now we're flattening slightly but not quite as quickly and precipitously as we'd like to but let's just assume like perfect world here for a second we have you know football playoffs going on right now mm -hmm. the super bowl is you know the latest it's ever been right mid-february this year yes Right. And they've got the Olympics coming up. And then on the other side of that, you're going to have like spring, right? Mm -hmm. It'll be March 1st. And, and America turns its its eyes, ears, and noses towards spring cleaning commercials on television. <laughs> March Madness. And, and you know for sure at that point, whoo, you know, we made it through another winter. At that moment, I think there's going to be a resurgence in this country because we will have gotten past Omicron. Hopefully there won't be an immediate, mm. you know, follow on variant that's going to be, you know, crazy. And we might be heading into like this exhale moment. I firmly believe that if you follow the history of other viruses, because right. people actually scientists, whether you believe it or not, scientists actually did chronicle these things mm. throughout History, going back hundreds of years, quite honestly, there have been discussions of this, going back to the plague, as a matter of fact, okay. of the bubonic. And we have a sense of, of the trajectory, at least, of viruses, which is a fairly modern idea, because viruses, they couldn't quite figure out viruses until the 20th century, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. And so now they've kind of got this worked out, and we believe... And I'm not we, I'm not a scientist, but but science. But you are a hypochondriac I am. and an amateur doctor. So. Right, so that's right. As an amateur so. doctor, I think I can tell you that there is a possibility that this virus is going to mutate toward the more benign because that allows it to live on and on and on and on and on for generations and generations. Wow. So let us just hope that we are heading toward that thing. I, for the first time in two years, believe this, because it was exactly two years ago right now, I was sitting... Uh, having dinner with some friends, and this guy is a big, you know, national, uh, international player in politics and business and stuff like that. I just happened to be at dinner with him, and, and this had just started to break out of Wuhan, China, right mm. in the in the late yeah, right. winter, yeah. or late late of 2019. And so he knew about it, and he's on all of these, you know, he talks to all these people in the State Department. And everything is like, dude, you have no idea. This is going to be a big 
freaking deal. And that wow. was like the second week of January, third week of January Amazing. in 2020. And I'm like, oh, could it really? Known? I know. We were all like, ah, oh, come on. There was a bird flu or a swine thing. Right. And this and that. And, you know. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 no. Well, Stock right. up on toilet paper wow. is what he said to me <laughs> right at the thing. And so now and here like, we are yeah. two years later and it feels for the first time like, hey, maybe we got a shot at getting out of this. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And certainly, uh, you know, in our corner of the world where we talk about pop culture, uh, I listen, I'm I'm double vaccine boosted and I go to screenings in advance at theaters. I'm still watching a lot of stuff at home as well. But the, the success of Spider-Man No Way Home is pre-COVID numbers, Ro. It is up to 1.6 billion. Wow. B billion worldwide. Don't I mean, you need China gonna, for that? Uh, you know, apparently not because China's because, still locked in. Uh, it's got uh, nine hundred million dollars here in the United States, right? Um, and it has become the highest-grossing film of all time in Mexico huh. with seventy-two million dollars, and it's number two in Brazil whoa, whoa, and whoa, whoa. Ecuador. The highest-grossing film in Mexican history is seventy-two yeah. million. Yeah, that's what it's saying in the uh, the article I've got here. I thought that sounded a little low too, but you know that's still a lot. Yeah, that is a that's a uh, that'd be a big opening in America. Yeah, yeah. Right. and the other thing is it's made a hundred million dollars uh, in IMAX globally, so a lot of people want to see the Spidey uh, doing his Spidey thing on the huh? big big screen. Are you telling me that Cantafloss never booked you. seventy-two million dollars? Well, in you an know, opening uh, weekend? we always have to say not adjusted for inflation. <laughs> uh, I got a suggestion. Yeah, what is we've that? We've been so deep into this. Why don't we take a break? And I've got some sports. Okay. Pop culture stuff I want to talk to you about. All right. Well, if you're going to talk about sports, let's gain some calories and let's talk about the chocolate cake at Portillo's. Portillo's are known for their famous Chicago hot dogs with all the freshest and tastiest ingredients, right down to the poppy seed bun and, of course, their legendary chocolate cake. But that's just the beginning, my friends. The menu has mouthwatering varieties of favorites. From a charbroiled burger to an Italian beef to a mm-hmm. cheese fry to a chopped salad and the chocolate cake. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you are a fan of this podcast or heard any other episode of this, you know how I feel about the chocolate cake. It's the mm-hmm. greatest chocolate cake in the history of chocolate or cake. Portillo's also has locations throughout the Midwest and in Florida, California, and Arizona. Order curbside pickup or delivery today. Ship Portillo's anywhere in the United States of America by ordering at portillos.com. That's P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S dot com. Well, you're talking a little bit about sports, March Madness, and the NFL playoffs, and the Olympics around the corner. I want to get your thoughts on that. But I first want to start, because we're still early in the week, I wanted to get your take, because I know, Ro, you are a huge college and pro football fan. You always have been. Mm Mm-hmm. And everybody's talking about the ending of that 49ers-Cowboys game. Uh, Why don't we take a listen to the audio? This is uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo Mm -hmm. calling the last uh, 20 seconds or so of the game. Let's take a listen. Get to the quarterback here. Prescott takes off running the football. Whoa, I don't think this is going to work out. Well, they'll be able to clock this. They were playing for it. It's down, down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the... Official gets in the way. The game's over. The game is over. Oh, he did. Oh, they're going to look at this. It's going to be over because the umpire has to touch the ball. 
Of course, that's ridiculous for a game to end like that, Jim. Wow, I am livid if I'm a Cowboy fan and if I'm a Niners fan. That's the fan. end of the game. The yeah. game is over. The game is over at San Francisco. So what's happening there is the Cowboys had no timeouts. They're frantically trying to mount this comeback. And Dak Prescott uh, takes off on like a quarterback draw. Seemed yeah. like a design play. The problem was by the time he slid, the Cowboys got there. Then the umpire was bumping into a guy. And by the time they set the ball... Time is gone. Time is gone. And they asked the, I got a little transcript for you. This is a little bit like Watergate or, you know, uh, the Comey <laughs> hearings, if you today. will. Yeah. Uh, they asked, this is, you know, they always have like a pool reporter talks to the referee. And, and, he, and the referee said the umpire spotted the ball properly. Uh, the rule is the umpire has to spot the ball. The center can't just take the ball from the quarterback right. and send They have to make sure everything's set. That makes set. sense. The umpire collided with the quarterback a little bit in the center. I think actually the Cowboys player kind of bumped into the umpire. I don't think I don't think the officials did anything wrong. I think it was a rough week for officiating, a rough weekend. They were throwing flags around. It's been a rough year. You know, like the yellow flags. And they even said uh, th- there was a previous game where a whistle blew in the middle of a play and everybody right. stopped. Yep. And they they said, well, how do you review a whistle? Right. And, they, you know, and they said, well, that crew probably will be taking the rest of the playoffs you right, know, that Cincinnati on vacation. Crew, yeah. Yeah, because that was a game-changing play. And there were, you know, so many. Go ahead. Okay, I, all right. So one of the things about this, the, the play we're talking about right here, earlier in this game, maybe 10 minutes earlier, television time, yeah. in watching this game, there was another time where the umpire got in the way and actually cost a penalty, a delay of game penalty, because he was standing over the ball and not letting them start yeah. until he walked away. Yeah. yeah now, yeah. that one actually went against the Cowboys. So when this one also went against the Cowboys, because this umpire was consistently kind of dilly-dallying, for lack of yeah. a better term, it was kind of in the way in, in both of those plays. It appeared like you know he was like in the way. In college football, they'll sometimes give you a pass. Yeah. On that when they're re- when they're resetting the ball. As a matter of fact, after a first down, there's the clock stops until the ball is properly set. Yeah. I think In the college. pros the yeah. pros should adopt that rule. I, I agree with you. And you know the thing about I know it's a thankless job, but one of the things we've seen real with, with the advent and the introduction of multiple cameras, more and more cameras in that, mm-hmm. that drone and tracking stuff. When you see yeah. replays, you see how often, especially in football, that the officials are almost in the way. You know, the backfield yeah. guy, the judge, you know, uh, is ducking out of the way, sometimes gets in the way. It's just the nature of the game. It's remarkable in the fastest moving sports like basketball and in particular hockey, how talented athletes they are, the officials, oh, yeah. I think, especially in hockey, yeah. oh, where yeah. they rarely are they amazing skaters, where they rarely get mixed up in a play. And you'll see them jumping on the board sometimes and yeah. making a move like they're, you know, in a, in a figure skating competition. It's incredible. But in, in football, unfortunately, with all the different rules, I think these officials want to make the call rather than not make a call because they don't want to be that – remember that non-pass interference call? Right. I think it was the Saints game a, a couple of years yeah, back. Playoff game, yeah, playoff uh, So they're throwing the flag knowing that they could be reviewed a lot of times. But they're calling holding every other play, and they're calling pass interference, and then they don't call pass interference. It's, it's so subjective. My feeling is that we need to pick up a lot of those flags. I mean, there's holding on every play pretty much in football. If it's blatant and the guy's grabbing the guy or tackling him, that's one thing. But sometimes you see a hold and it's seven yards away from the play. It didn't affect the play at all. It never would have. And at 15 yards and we're going back, you know, 10-yard penalty. We get a lot of first and 20s and second and 35s. This is totally solvable 
using the current telemetry available in sports. You realize you've seen these commercials, and this has been going on for the last couple of years. You wonder how some of these replays are created, and you're like, how did they know that? Or especially on ESPN when they do the after, not during the game, but after the game, they're showing highlights, and all of a sudden guys pop up big, and then they're small, and they're moving around. Yeah. There's technology on board the athlete now in football, yeah. in their helmet, yeah. in their pads. It's designed as part of the anti-concussion protocol and the injury protocols mm. to figure out what the impacts look like. When, when you can tell how fast a guy is moving, that's mm -hmm. a telemetry thing. That's yeah, not yeah, just yeah. a guy with a... With all a, those cool <laughs> things where they go 18% chance of catching the ball as the guy's going into the end zone and all that. You know, the right. technology is amazing. Right. It's very it, cool. It yeah. is. It is. And it's, so you could actually put telemetry in the football yeah, and then you would not have to worry about the officials essentially. That, that, you know, and that that is one of the most amazing things to me is they're still doing, like when when Red Grange was playing, <laughs> and they wanted to figure out if someone had gone ten yards. Men with sticks and a chain would go out there and say, "Well, it looks like ten yards to me," because everybody <laughs> talked like that in 1924. Um, and they're still doing that, and they they actually reviewed a spot in this game as well. Right. You know, but that to me is insane. You don't that have to do that. Still, you can put centers that's on the what field. I'm saying. And, and centers thing, in the ball. And same thing with the touchdown. Like you know, the ruling on the field is the, the runner was down, and then they review it, and your guy was you know the ball crossed the goal yeah. line. And it's incredible to me that you still got you know the guy who does that thing where he he you know it always looks like they got the first down, and then they get that one little kink out of the chain, and he's always and then the referee holds up his hand two inches apart. You know, yep. they didn't get it, and that's insane. In this day and age. Well, okay. It's so simple to fix. I think they don't want to fix it because then they won't be able to have uh, official discretion over the games, which yeah. I I don't know. I, I, I'm getting a, a little bit more conspiratorial in my old age, just like uh, Grandpa does. Yeah. And I'm 10 years away from my kids not inviting bought, me to Christmas. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. bought the refs off at a Niners game last year. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's, I mean, Dad, there are people believe Dad. that. Yeah. I mean, but there is, but it is interesting that they haven't used that technology because they could do it. It's, it is, it, I, really, it's just making a decision to do so. Yeah. And I don't know why they exactly haven't because then you, then you take all the guesswork out of this and it shortens the game too because you don't have to That's spend the 15 other problem. minutes. They keep going to break. And when we come back, we'll let you know how it turned out. You know, there's so many breaks and pauses now. Right. Was it targeting all that stuff? All right. So Roe has fixed that problem. Yeah. I want to race through a couple more of these here to get to the finish line, if you will. The Associated Press, the AP, has named its 1980s All-NBA team. Okay. This is always fun. They never argue. Uh, it's, it, different sports, everyone kind of just realizes, listen, the, you know, we talked about, you know, the NFL of the 50s and the NFL of today is very, very different. You know, baseball, I think we all know Willie Mays would be a great player no matter what. I right. don't know necessarily that Babe Ruth would be the player he is, but, you know, there's not as much generational comparison as there always is when it comes to basketball. And they never want to argue so much about, like, the 70s Knicks or the 60s Celtics. It's always – it's because these guys are – most of them still around. They always want to argue the teams of the 80s and the 90s versus the teams of today. And it then boils down to Michael versus LeBron. So right. – Here's my question for you, Ro. The, mm -hmm. the AP 1980s All-NBA team, and you can't argue with any of these picks, Michael Jordan, because remember the Bulls won all those championships in the 90s, but he came up in the mid-80s. He was already a great player. Right. Michael Jordan, Moses Malone, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Julius Irving. That's your 1980s All-NBA team. You look at the top five right now, usually making All-NBA when they're healthy. It's Giannis, it's Steph Curry, it's Kevin Durant, it's LeBron, and it's uh, Jokic. Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Jokic. Yeah, Jokic. Uh, who wins Fair that point. game? Five on five. <laughs> I got, uh -huh. I, since I just came out of a coma in 1975, 
I I'm I'm going with the '80s team, and I'll, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Yes, there is a physical difference to the way that these guys work out, and the way that athletes. And again, this goes back to technology, right? There are ways of assessing muscle mass, and there's different exercises now than these guys went through. I mean, yeah. remember? I mean, like the Bulls documentary, like the the Michael Jordan documentary. And talking about, and I love these parts where Dennis Rodman was too drunk to to play and all that yeah, sort of stuff yeah. that was going on. I'm sure things like that still happen, but it's a different era for how athletes train in the offseason yeah. and how prepared they are. That's really what's made the difference in football. It makes some of the difference in baseball, and it makes a, a difference in basketball. I'm not sure it makes the biggest difference in basketball. Mm-hmm. Size is something. I mean, listen, I, you know, we 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 were lucky enough to live through the Jordan era. We mm-hmm. got to see him personally play. We got to see these amazing things happen. It really, I think, like LeBron in some respects, LeBron's a, a, and Kobe more like a Jordan figure than than LeBron. LeBron came in like is almost like that robot from Fox Sports. Yeah. You know? The perfect construction. Right. The, yeah, per- yeah. the perfect construction of a human being. And he has all the skills, amazing shooter, great defensive player. He's, he's right in the head, you know, as they say in athletics. Mm-hmm. He's got everything that you need. He just hasn't had that and and NBA's changed a lot mm. because now the NBA you just pick you, you pick a winning team by guys deciding I just want to go I'm not going to play very well for you anymore I want to go play for them yeah. and that's how it goes you know there's sort of a, a conspiracy amongst the players if you will yeah. to yeah, make absolutely. sure that they're on championship the Miami teams. Heat and then yeah. with the Warriors and yeah. you know it's all star Nets now you see that yeah right and you see what happened to the Warriors right on the other side of it. I mean so you know you can have one great star but you really have to have three great stars. yeah that's three yeah. yeah and so this is uh it's a, it's a different era. I would say, though, if you go dream team to dream team, it's basketball. Yeah. The basketball game has not changed since it was an apple basket, right? Or whatever the hell it was. It was a peach, I believe. Peach, peach basket. Dr. Naismith. Yes. So I don't think that... um, Apple basket wider. You'd have a lot higher scoring. Yes. (laughs) In high school, I wished it had been an apple basket. It was originally a turnip truck, but no one ever missed. (laughs) So, so they, they I'm narrowed going, it down. I'm I'm going with the eighties, nineties. Yeah, I am too, and you know it, it is again. It's apples and peaches, if you will. But um, there's a toughness, and listen, we get it. I'm not saying some of these modern players aren't super tough. They are. LeBron is is the one player. Well, Steph as well because of his shooting. But LeBron is the one player. And you're like that's generational. He would yeah. have been just as yeah. good in 1992, no, 100%. 1980s as he is now. But uh, to me, if and listen again, it's about the rules and everything. But if you look at that team and the competitiveness. And all these guys are competitive, but, you know, Michael Jordan, Moses Malone, Magic, Bird, and Irving, they're, yeah. they're not going to lose. Right. They're not gonna, they'll do anything. Moses Malone, and listen, I think Kevin Durant is a top 10 all-time NBA player because he can, he can shoot from everywhere right. do all this stuff. So is Steph Curry, by the but, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, well, listen, guys, it'd, be a, it'd be a lot of yeah. fun, but, you know, the athleticism... Yeah, the younger guys, you know, might have a little bit more, you know, speed and stuff. But the tenacity and well, they're all know. the same age in this. In this, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying they have a little yeah. more speed now. Yeah, because they did. That. Well, that was the old Ted Williams joke. They said when he was seventy, do you think you could still, you know, hit three forty? And he goes, No, I'm seventy. I could hit two ninety five now. <laughs> you know, but I'm with you. So now, okay, we've we've decided that. And my final question yeah, for you is: okay. the Winter Olympics. Oh boy, are just around the corner. Did yes. you know that? Yeah. 
Okay, I did. I, I, didn't, I, I, did. I, I did, but I kind of didn't. But all of a sudden, it, and it, by the way, it's going to be on it's NBC, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're going to make everything available on Peacock, live streaming, and all that stuff. Um, that's separate from their pay TV subscriptions. So you know, you're going to be able to watch it if you want to watch it. Uh, you know, my thing with the Olympics is I never care until they're around, and then you all of a sudden you care. They're starting right now to sprinkle in these commercials, though, and they're like, you know, this is athlete B. <laughs> he went through the most difficult struggle, and then they show him at some championship yeah. falling or right. crying, and then they're like, and then he, you know they show athlete, and he's like, this is my last chance, and it's redemption for athlete B against you know or Sean White, you know, is coming back one more time. That's a, a okay. one name I know. I, right? Okay, so I have a game I play. Every four years or every two years now because the Winter Olympics are separated by two, right, from this summer. There will be five names. That's basically the over-under. Five names that right now as you sit here in the middle of January that you don't know, that you will remember for the rest of your life after February. Yeah, because you'll watch this stuff. There'll be a downhill racer. There'll be a you know some version of a figure skater, speed skater, or you know ice dancer. Actually, Something. I'm going to take the ice dancers out because I don't think anybody really pays that much attention to it. It's not that interesting. But oh, there will- the ice dancing community, you're going to feel their wrath. <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> but boy. there's going to be. But there's going to be. You just something. ruffled their ruffles. You might. There might be some guy, some you know ski jumper. No, it always that is, is yeah. like you know 300 pounds or something that you're going to go. Oh my god. There's yeah. Freddie the Flyer. Yeah. You know? I mean, like Eddie the Eagle, right? <laughs> exactly. They made a movie with, yeah, you know, the guy that comes in or the woman that comes in 27th, but it's remarkable because, right. you know, it's it's like it's the Winter Olympics, but they're from Trinidad and Tobago. Yes. I believe you that know, there will be a cool runnings kind of story. A Sri Lankan toboggan team that is going to make and then somehow make yeah, something. Yeah, you're, you're right. And then we'll find out. And and this I'm not belittling at all. There's always some sort of, you know, incredible emotional journey. Somebody who yes. has, you know, faced, you know, serious illness or lost, you know, their entire family in some sort of horrible, tra- you know, something, you know, unspeakably terrible. And then they're going to try to, you know, win this one for the family or the memory or for themselves. And right. you can't help but all of a sudden, as you mentioned, you're rooting for someone you didn't know existed 10 days ago. Right. And that I and it means everything to you that and, they win. And, yeah, and I kind of think that's actually kind of the beauty and the glory of the Olympics. Yes. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not the cynical, well, you know, it's all corporate sponsors and blah, blah, blah. And I know there's, you know, the Chinese. We're, we're doing a diplomatic boycott, which seems to me like either you boycott or not, right? Right. Of the of the Olympics. Oh, so what does that mean? That right. the Kamala like, isn't I, going or something? I mean, it's like, you know, well, it's a diplomatic boycott. But, our, you know, I mean, listen, if you're going to boycott, right. you boycott. It's such bullshit. I, I didn't like it when they boycotted in 1980. I mean, all those, all those American athletes yeah. who, you know, worked their entire lives to be there, and they may have had one cycle together. We know a guy, actually, who yeah. was, uh, was mm. an Olympic diver. Yeah. And should have been in the eighty Olympics in yeah. Moscow, yeah. and and couldn't be because of the boycott. And it was such a stupid, stupid, stupid thing to do. I mean, they were going to get their ass kicked in Afghanistan. Everybody's gotten their ass kicked in Afghanistan, and then we learned that lesson later oh, on too. Yeah, yeah. It didn't really matter. It was just a. It, it was you know one of uh, one of a few uh, gaffes of the Jimmy Carter administration <laughs> that could have been that could have been easily reversed. Yeah. Well, that malaise, you know, st- uh, as he mentioned, the country was in malaise. And I will say to you, to your point, Rove, perhaps the greatest American triumph, even bigger than the miracle on ice of yeah. 1980, was the 1936 Berlin Games, 
right. when Jesse Owens shoved it right up Hitler's ass and the whole <laughs> notion, right. bullshit notion of the master race and everything, and right in front of him won, what, four, I think, four gold right. medals and was, you know, it was a great, great triumph. And we would be remiss if not mentioning Ralph Metcalf, a Chicagoan, yeah. who was also in those Olympics, who also beat all the Aryan Nation guys. Who, and by the way, and there have been movies done about this in documentaries, and again, the, the German athletes, you know, they were, they were there because that's where they were born and were, from, by all accounts, great sportsmen who yeah. just wanted to race and congratulated that's the Americans. The beauty. And said they would, because, you know, there were stories, Hitler walked out and don't be on the podium if you got the bronze. And they were like, no, man, he beat us. Yeah. So that, to me, is what you do. That's you know, the Olympic spirit. I love on. the Olympics. I love everything about the Olympics. And I and again, it goes. It's a great television show because for exactly what you said, they they create these stories. They find these storylines. I mean, they work. Like right now, they're building the 2024 Olympics. Right now, the Summer Olympic Games. NBC is you know right now they're building the stories and doing how they've been building these stories mm -hmm. for two years prior to this. So they know who they're going to to feature, and they have an idea of you know where these things are going to fall out. And you and they know who those names are that we're going to learn that we're yeah. going to care about that we didn't care about before, but it's going to be it's always great. And you know what? We get through that and we're in spring. I bring this whole thing full circle. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank I have you, one America. last question. When you mentioned the, the bubonic plague and <laughs> talked about that, uh, do you know historically were there some? Um, plague disbelievers who even while they were on their deathbed with their limbs falling off were claiming that it was all just uh, a regency or whatever they were under a knighthood or some sort of conspiracy even some some anti-bubonic yeah. plaguers oh, truthers sure. okay oh yeah it's it always been that. yeah but they could only talk to their family yeah. who just watched them die yeah. they didn't have twitter if they had twitter the bubonic plague would have been a lot worse it's still a hoax i think i just have the flu Still, Angus one arm. Still from my cave. We'd still be having yeah. the bubonic plague right now if Twitter had been around. Okay. Just wanted to know. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let me just tell you the Rowan Rover podcast brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. want to thank Tim Melanius and Renee Nelson for their hard work on this. And Demita Menezes, who is our long-suffering, very hard-working editor. We'll see you next time.